Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You know, when the schedules came out back in the spring and I saw what Stanford was going to be facing this fall, I said, look, we're, we're going to know by the close of business on October 1st which tier Stanford is going to be able to compete in in the Pac-12. I think I was right, but not quite the answers that I would have preferred. As at the close of business on October 1st at 11.49 p.m. actually, Stanford dropped another decision, this time to Oregon. They fall to 1-3 and three on the year, and the Cardinal are looking for answers yet again. Another Saturday night's not all right for Stanford. We're talking about it on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. Great to have you with us here on Monday, October 3rd, 2022. Thank you for being here with us. I am indeed the host of this show, Troy Clarity. Hi, we're going to sort through this as best we can. Stanford loses to Oregon on Saturday night in Eugene. 45-27 the final score and a lot of the same trends that have already established themselves in the early portion of the Cardinals season continued into the game against the Ducks. We'll get post-game audio and thoughts from Stanford head coach David Shaw. You'll also hear from Stanford running back Casey Bilkins and inside linebacker Lavani Damuni. I'm Troy Clarity. Thanks for being here with us. My 30th year following Stanford football as a broadcaster and in all sorts of media. My seventh year of hosting this podcast, the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, which has become the go-to podcast for Stanford fans since 2015. We are certainly proud of that. Ninth year of Pac-12 Network play-by-play. Spent my Sunday afternoon calling Stanford women's volleyball at Maples Pavilion as they knocked off Washington State in four sets. That was entertaining. And calling football on the Compass Media Networks this fall. College football and some NFL. That just cropped up. Looking forward to getting into that later on this season. But right now, we are talking Stanford football, which we do here on the TreeCast. You can, of course, subscribe to the show via your favorite listening app, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Alexa has the hookup, tune in, iHeart, no matter which way you want to go, the TreeCast is there. The TreeCast was not in the building <laughs> over the weekend at uh, Autzen Stadium. I was on my couch watching everything unfold, and at halftime, I was not a very happy camper. Uh, Stanford with a slim deficit, 3 nothing throughout much of the first quarter, but then Oregon perhaps caught the Stanford defense unawares the very final play of the first quarter the snap of the ball right at the zeros a wide receiver screen resulted in a long touchdown for the Oregon Ducks made it 10 nothing at that point Stanford uncomposed at the end of the second quarter as well as the Ducks took a 31-3 lead to the locker rooms at the half and eventually coasted to a 45-27 win Stanford looked better both sides of the ball in the second half once again but once again not enough. Lavani Damuni, Stanford inside linebacker, is one of the players made available to us in the media after the game. I'm going to play this entire soundbite, and he was very, very frustrated with the outcome. We're sick of losing. No, it's not fun. Like, just going back to last season, is like taking out Colgate, that game didn't count. We, we, we've been, we've gotten blown out like seven games in a row, so... 
it's just I don't know. I don't know. Just it's just frustrating. It's just frustrating. That's Lavani Demuni in a moment of honesty. Tough to tough to listen to, and tough to watch, especially in the first half for Stanford on Saturday. We'll sort through it here, beginning with three things you need to know from the game. But first, a reminder that football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's hop into it. Three things you need to know from Stanford versus Oregon. And, of course, it begins with number And another bad start for Stanford. That has been the song for the Cardinals, certainly during their FBS portion of their season. Stanford offense punted on its first four drives, went three and out on three of those occasions. Meanwhile, the defense gave up an early field goal, but the dam broke starting with the final play of the first quarter. And Stanford just could not stop the leaking throughout the remainder of the first half. And by the time the smoke cleared, Stanford was down by 28 heading into the locker room. David Shaw afterwards said, look, we, we got to find much better ways to start off faster in ball games going forward. First half, um, especially the first quarter, we've given up too much. Um, you know, offensively, tough to get going. You know, we got to find a way to start faster in all phases um, to give ourselves a chance to stay competitive. Yep, offense, defense, each side of the ball working in concert together to put the Cardinal behind the eight ball of sorts. And Stanford was down big and down bad at the half. How can they turn things around? We'll take a look at that a bit later on in the show, but let's move on to number And again, early in the game, Stanford finding itself down an offensive tackle pretty much from jump. Third play of the game, Stanford losing Barrett Miller for the remainder of the game as he was injured. Miller, of course, starting in place of Miles Hinton at right tackle, who was questionable coming into the game, and he did not play. Walter Rouse, by the way, was questionable last week. I did notice at Wednesday he was dressed up and and, 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 and in full gear uh, on Wednesday's practice. So I figured he might play, and he did. Went the uh, whole way, at least uh, until the fourth quarter when Stanford started bringing in some subs. But once again, Stanford losing an offensive lineman very early on and having to change things in their game plan offensively. David Shaw with more on that. You know, when you're, you're starting offensive lineman can't play, uh, your call sheet shrinks to the level of what your um, least experienced offensive lineman can do. So I don't want to put a young man out there um, and give him things that he's not prepared to do. Thankfully, Coach Hefner's done a great job. Our, our, our twos get a lot of reps, um, so we know what they're ready for. So if somebody goes down, hey, we know what our, what our guys' strengths are. Um, so we stay within that. And. Um, you know, like I said, it, didn't, it, it hampers us to a certain degree because it constricts what we can do. But at the same time, there's still things that are available to us. And um, as was said earlier, 
Uh, we executed a little bit later better than we did early. Yeah, and I think that certainly affected some things with the uh, play calling that we saw from Stanford. Um, and certainly it did last week, I believe, with the Cardinal being down to backup offensive tackle throughout much of the first half against the Huskies. But as for Barrett Miller after the game, David Shaw said he's not expecting him back next week, and that likely might be an injury uh, that Miller might uh, be sidelined with for perhaps a few weeks. Shaw much more hopeful on Miles Hinton, saying that he hopes to be back this Saturday against Oregon State. Let's wrap up three things with number three. And at some point late in the third quarter, I wrote down in my notes, Casey Filkins is Stanford's best player this year. Wasn't expecting to see that. But I think that's where it stands for the Cardinal right now. And Casey Filkins, of course, taking over the feature back role with EJ Smith out for the year. Filkins with another good game. Chain-moving runs, chain-moving catches as well, and a nifty touchdown grab in which he tight-roped his way down the sideline for a 42-yard score in the third quarter. After the game, Casey took us through it. We're really just looking to see kind of what the linebacker does that's over on my side. Um, he happened to blitz on that play, and they brought the corner down. I thought he was actually going to take me a man, but I he just kind of sat in the flat and cloud. Um, I got around him. Got my eyes to Tanner and he gave me the ball. That's just what we work at every time we run that play. Um, and then as far as kind of just going down the sideline, um, I, I honestly, I didn't realize how close I was until I saw it up on the review and stuff. It was pretty crazy that my heel actually didn't touch the ground. Um, but you know, that's just, that's just when I get in space, I gotta go, I gotta go, you know, show off my God-given ability and I was able to, you know, obviously score a touchdown, which is cool. Yeah, I don't know how Casey's heel didn't touch uh, on that play either. And if it did, Philkins would have been out of bounds well before reaching the end zone. But that was impressive. And Philkins continues to be a bright spot for Stanford so far this season. That being said, and I am in lockstep here with uh, Petros Papadakis on the uh, TV side as he was on the call once again uh, for FS1. Petro said during the course of the game on, on Saturday, look, as good as Casey Filkins looks, there are way too many weapons on this Stanford offense for Filkins to be carrying a load like this. Right on, Petros. Right on. Could not agree more. Those are three things. Filkins' full numbers, he racked up uh, 19 carries, 80 yards rushing, three catches for 59 yards, and that receiving touchdown as well. Tanner McKee, 19 of 33 for 166 yards and two touchdowns. He gained momentum along with the rest of the Stanford offense in the second half. More on that in a few moments. No fumbles lost and no interceptions for McKee this week, so that is certainly a step in the right direction. Elijah Higgins, six catches for 44 yards, uh, but he, he had a touchdown catch as well. What a frozen rope by McKee from 28 yards out. Boom, right down the seam, hit Higgins in stride. And, and I, when I say frozen rope, I mean it. Elway-like. It looked like McKee released that around chest high, right? And it hit Higgins chest high, about 15, 20 yards downfield. And Higgins didn't even have to break stride and head to the end zone. As for Oregon, their quarterback, Bo Nix, didn't really do that much through the air. 
but he did his most damage on the ground. A big 35-yard gain uh, to help the Ducks maybe uh, get in a higher gear in the second quarter offensively. That led to a touchdown, but a big dagger, an 80-yard touchdown run for Knicks in the third quarter. Knicks ending up with 141 yards on the ground. Ducks committed 14 penalties. That was tough to watch. Flags all over the place for the Oregon Ducks. So, you know, if not for those penalties, that, that game might have, given how Stanford was performing at, the, at that point, that game might have gotten, gotten a bit out of hand more quickly than it actually did. So the Ducks' penalties kept the door open for Stanford, but Cardinal couldn't find the, couldn't find the door. Kept stumbling on their way to the door. They couldn't even find a way out of there. Because Stanford got off to yet another bad start. And this applies to both sides of the ball. We mentioned early, Stanford spending much of the first half going three and out, doing that three times in their first four possessions before finally getting in gear. And the defense staggering once again. After the game, David Shaw was asked for his thoughts on why Stanford has had so many struggles to this point. That continued again on Saturday against the Ducks and starting off games fast and starting off games the right way. The last, gosh, might have been all three games. Um, we lost the coin toss. The other team deferred. So we're getting the ball um, by their choice right from the beginning. And, uh, you know, haven't scored. You know, inefficient at the beginning of the games. I don't know if it's nerves. I don't know what, they, what, what the issue is. Um, execution has been poor. Uh, when we did drive down the field, um, second drive against USC, we turned the ball over. Um, so that's part of it is being able to finish those drives. When we do execute early in games, um, putting too much pressure on the defense, um, you know, uh, going three and out and then punting and giving them good field position. Inefficiency, poor execution, and going three and out, that's a good way to stymie your offense in the early going. I go back to the cards, second possession of the night. Uh, Stanford actually got a first down on that one, but then later on, they called a reverse that Casey Filkins errantly pitched back to the freshman receiver, Moody Rubin. Rubin dropped it because the pitch wasn't that great. After the game, Casey admitted he probably should have eaten that ball instead. Stanford was able to fall on that one, thank goodness, but it was still a loss of nine that, for all intent and purposes, killed that drive. And perhaps that play kind of personified a little bit Stanford stumbling off to a bad start once again. Boy, trick plays have not been Stanford's friend by and large so far this year. That, that failed reverse, they had a more successful reverse later on in the second half. Uh, but that failed reverse right there early on. The uh, fake fumble uh, play that they tried against the Huskies worked like a charm against Iowa in the Rose Bowl. Not so much against Washington last week, but uh, trick plays have, have not been Stanford's friend uh, to this point for the most part this year. So poor starts offensively and defensively. How did they get out of it? How does Stanford try to, try to reverse that a bit? Well, in answering that question, David Shaw offered up this thought. First few games for our season have not been what we expected, not have not, have not been what we want. Um, there are some things that we have options to do that we're going to look at. Shaw says, quote, we have options that the team will explore and trying to break out of its, of its slow starts. And when I heard that, it kind of triggered something in, in my brain a little bit. And looking at how Stanford was able to perform much better in the second half and how Stanford kind of emptied the bench somewhat 
um, in the fourth quarter. Ari Pertu came in. Moody Arubin caught a touchdown pass uh, later on. And a lot of reserves started to see some playing time in the fourth quarter, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So I asked David Shaw if that meant that he feels like he had some options, maybe more options potentially personnel-wise based on some things we saw uh, in the final seven minutes of the fourth quarter. Here was his response. Nope. We just got some guys in the game, which is great. Um, our two young quarterbacks got a chance to go out there and, and show that they can be efficient. Um, you know, Moody Rubin coming back in and make another big play uh, down the field. Um, some of our young backs, our young offensive linemen got in the game, young tight ends. So um, we've got talent and ability, um, especially in our young guys. So it was good to see those guys go out there. But you know, some of the things that we're, we're, we're talking about um, – you know, some schematic things, leaning on our strengths and uh, mostly finding a way to start games faster. You know, got to got to start games faster than we've been starting them offensively, defensively as well. That's David Shaw. And and, and look, I wasn't asking, are you going to bring in Ari Patu as the starting court? No, that that's not even, I don't think, a serious option at this point. Right. But I was kind of curious to kind of get his thoughts on, 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 on maybe how those final seven or eight minutes or so went who perhaps popped, and if maybe someone presented themselves as a potential option to help Stanford get out of its morass here in the early going, especially early in games. So Sean says, look, I, I mean more schematic type things than personnel-wise, but you know what? Any port in the storm, we'll, we'll get the depth chart for Stanford on Tuesday that they'll, that they'll rock with when they uh, face the Oregon State Beavers this week, and uh, we'll see if uh, anything uh, changes in that respect. We've hinted at it a couple of times so far in the show. Stanford offensively in the first half, next to nothing, and even their scoring drive, that was a laboring drive. 12 plays, 76 yards, and it was... Pretty tough going. In fact, Stanford had first and goal at the four. McKee missed Ben Urosik in the right flat. He was open, but McKee, uh, with an inaccurate pass, kind of overthrew him there a bit. And then on third and goal, McKee had to eat the ball because no one was open in the end zone and fell forward for no gain on the play. Joshua Cardi kicked a 23-yard field goal to make it 10-3 Oregon midway through the second quarter. At that point, really, at the end of that drive, I was sitting there thinking, wow, no fades? called Ben in there you've, you've got receivers that have the size advantages like Tremaine and like Elijah Higgins didn't go with the fade there and I know that that the that the end zone fade has been a much bemoaned thing for Stanford fans over the years but you know what it's worked plenty of times I was slightly su uh, surprised that we did not see that in that instance down at the goal line but but even that drive was was a labor second half things improved cardinal offensively had seven possessions after halftime three of them ended in the end zone with a field goal punted a couple times and then a turnover on downs but but the stanford offense operated it seemed with more efficiency in the second half brought up the tempo a bit in the second half as well I asked David Shaw if there were any differences in things that were emphasized in the offensive game plan in the second half as opposed to the first half. I mean, we started the game off as soon as we lost Barrett Miller first series. Um, we tried to throw it quick. We tried to get it out fast. We tried to run the ball um, to keep take some pressure off of our tackles. Um, 
we just did a better job executing it later than we did earlier. We called a lot of the same plays. We repeated those plays and actually got more positive yards. So uh, we've talked all the time about, you know, not being a scheme team, but being an execution team. And uh, we called the same plays, repeated through some of those plays three or four times, and we just executed much better um, kind of at the end of the first half and then, you know, midway through the second half also. So Shaw says, no, we didn't necessarily call different plays or anything like that. They were just executed better. And that's, for the most part, true. I went back to that scoring drive that Stanford had in the second quarter. And one of the earlier plays, one of the very first plays that we saw in that drive, McKee took the snap, rolled right, hit Casey Filkins in space in the flat, and he picked up 10 yards. And I thought that coming into the game that we would have seen a bit more of that earlier. Oregon having trouble. We might remember our chat with uh, Jeff Schwartz, former NFL offensive lineman, currently a host on Pac-12 Radio on Sirius XM, and a guy who knows a little bit about the Oregon Ducks as he played uh, for them back in the uh, 2000s. But he know, he told us that Oregon has trouble covering guys in space. Once he said that, I, I, I thought to myself, hmm, who are some guys that Stanford can get in space out in the flat and rack up yardage after the catch? And Casey Filkins was the first guy that came to mind. Also, given the fact that Stanford has had some problems in protecting Tanner McKee at times, Given up eight sacks against Washington the week before. Of course, the biggest illustrator of that, I thought that Stanford might move the pocket around a bit more. And it took until the second quarter for those starts to th those, those uh, kinds of things to start happening for Stanford. So, you know, we did see more of that in the second half. Quicker hitting plays. More wide receiver screens. And again, these were these were all things that, that I thought that we might have seen from Stanford earlier on in the first quarter. Maybe Barrett Miller being out after three plays and having Jack Lair coming at right tackle, a young man who was making his collegiate debut at right tackle. Maybe that changed some things. Who knows? But Stanford had some, for the first time in a while it seems, some easy drives in the second half. A five-play, 75-yard drive that ended in a touchdown with Filkins taking that swing-out pass, breaking the tackle, and then dragging the duck with him for the 42-yard tightrope touchdown. And then later on, the other touchdown grab by Elijah Higgins. Now, again, each of those respective scores brought Stanford back to within 21. So it's, it's not like, you know, the game was was back on necessarily and unfortunately as a result of, of either of those scores. But, but again, for, it was the first time in a while that we had actually seen Stanford have easy drives, find guys, hit them quickly, and let them do the work. Instead of slower developing plays, I don't know how much longer we're going to see the slow mesh, folks, because I think that seems to have been figured out a little bit uh, by opposing defenses as that kind of ground to a halt a little bit once again against the Oregon Ducks. But quicker hitting plays, especially in the passing game, things that I thought we would see right from jump, started to see them a little bit in the second quarter, and there, was, there seemed to be a bit more of a commitment to it in the second half. Casey Filkins on the difference for the Stanford offense after halftime. Um, I think in the second half we were able to just, you know, um kind of get out of the whole three and out, um, you know, phase that we were putting ourselves in and, 
you know, I think we were comp completing some passes down the field, which was which was awesome to see. Elijah obviously had that touchdown, which was was great. And we were giving Tanner some time to throw the ball, and um, you know, all that was super good. And um, so that was positive, obviously, in the second half. And um, that's just something we're gonna, you know, continue to harvest. And that's that's definitely something we need to we need to work on. Yeah, Casey says better execution there. But again, I I also think that the, there seemed to be from my eye, a bit more of a commitment to quickening the tempo and getting the ball to your playmaker's hands in quicker fashion. And it seemed to work. Same thing on defense, too. Stanford a bit more aggressive in the second half. Once again, like the like same situation as it was against Washington as well. Same thing defensively as well. We saw Stanford improve, become more physical, and play much better defensively in the second half. Overall, I mean, yeah, that was tough. The 80-yard touchdown run by Bo Nix. But part of me was like, hey, they were sending Alakai Gilman in on the blitz on that one. He got picked up. Stephen Heron missed him, and that was all she wrote. Bo Nix had nothing but green grass, green turf. That's probably more appropriate up at Odson Stadium. But you get what I'm saying. Hey, at least they sent the blitz, right? And I thought, you, you remember the preview episode last week, I was hoping that Stanford would take a bit more of an aggressive approach, you know, not be reluctant to bring more guys up to the line of scrimmage, not be as reluctant to cover guys so tightly. But first half, it seemed like Stanford's defense was on its heels again and didn't start committing more guys to the line of scrimmage. And start just bringing dudes again. So, second half, offense and defense, better. But the first half was just so tough to watch on both sides of the ball. By that point, you know, it, it, it didn't matter on the scoreboard. I mean, it, 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 it mattered. I, I think it mattered in this sense. 31-3, to you're on your way to your third consecutive loss. And a lot of things can go through your head. A lot of directions the season can go from there. But Stanford didn't punk out in the second half. They performed better both sides of the ball. So there is that. But the frustrating thing about it is, again, you hate to see it take until the second half for things to take effect. I don't know. Maybe that, that mini brawl that broke out at the end of the first half, maybe kind of ignited a fire under Stanford that, that maybe hadn't quite been there in the first, what, 29-plus minutes of play? Maybe. I don't know. Unfortunately, it directly led to another Oregon touchdown right at the buzzer. Boy, Stanford defensively just looked completely ill-prepared at the end of the first quarter and at the end of the second quarter as well. Guys were taking poor angles. Linebackers were struggling mightily by my eye. But second half, things got better. There is that. Can they put it together in the first half in a game for a change? Next opportunity is coming up this Saturday. Let's update the turnover story for Stanford because that's been a big part of the problem for the Cardinal this year. Only one turnover for Stanford. Yay! Um, but it was a killer. Boo. Second quarter, Oregon already up 17-3. to Stanford got the ball. Very first play, McKee hits Ben Urosik in the flat. 
Jurassic turns, tries to gain some yardage, but he gets hit, fumbles the ball. Oregon picks it up, scoops it up, returns it to the Stanford four. Bo Nick scores on the very next play. It's 24-3 late second quarter, and you start thinking, oh boy, here we go. That's it. Again, just one turnover, but it was still enough for David Shaw to be, to, to be lamenting turnovers after the game. Um, the turnover bug uh, got us again. Um, you know, and it's it's not against you know, some of our top players. You know, Ben Urosik's got the ball and, you know, give him some opportunities to, to catch the ball and run and, you know, fumble the ball. So much like Casey a week ago and EJ a week before that. Too many, too many fumbles, too many turnovers, too many, in a, too many uh, bad plays for us. Yeah, just that one turnover, but it was still way too many. And it came, again, at a critical – it's not just the quantity of turnovers. That's dooming Stanford time and time again. And it certainly isn't helping, but it's when they come. Seems like they usually tend to come very early in drives, first play, second play of drives that, that help even stymie drives and possessions before they even get started. So Stanford was just one turnover on the day, but it was still a dagger. Now, overall, hey, in the fourth quarter, Stanford got a turnover. How about that? An interception late in the game as Oregon started to, to empty Ince bench and Tristan Sinclair off of a pressure from David Bailey, forcing Oregon's backup quarterback to throw up a duck. Pun not really intended. I just came up with that on the fly. But Tristan Sinclair said, thank you very much, and I will accept that and get the turnover. So, so Stanford's turnover margin against the Ducks was zero. That's the best performance it's had so far this season. And that's better overall. But Stanford's turnover margin on the season is still minus 10. And they've got company now in that category. That minus 10 turnover margin still no longer the worst in FBS by itself. So they've, they've got some company now, both Temple and New Mexico State, each with minus 10 turnover margins on the season. Of course, they've also played more games, the Owls and the Aggies have, than the Cardinal. So turnovers, injuries, inefficiency, all adding up to another difficult Stanford loss. And efforts that, that Stanford puts together and looks good by the wayside because the hole is just too big because Stanford spent the first half digging instead of climbing. After the game, David Shaw was asked what message he told the guys in the locker rooms after the game. Um, there's a separation between those, those, three, those three teams that we played and us right now. You know, it doesn't have to stay that way by the end of the year. Um, we're, a, we're a team that can grow and play better than we've played. You know, um, it's, it's a ridiculous thing to say, but if you look at our positive plays, you see a really good football team. You look at, a, you look at our negative plays, and you don't see a good football team. So that's a big thing is cleaning up our turnovers, um, getting healthy, and uh, you know, find a way to utilize the talent and ability that we have. I don't think it's that ridiculous to say because I think he's right. You look at Stanford's positive plays, that touchdown throw from Makita Higgins, the tightrope touchdown from Casey Filkins, some of the other great plays that Stanford has had over the course of the season, you go, whoa, man, this is a team that's got some talent and they can play. 
But the negative plays are just too many for Stanford's good plays to overcome at this point. There are far, far, far too many negative plays that have smothered anything positive that Stanford has largely done to this point. I mean, Casey Filkins is a player. He is a player. Even he's not immune, though. That bobble that led to an interception up in Seattle a couple weeks ago. Struggles on the offensive line, keeping guys healthy and helping to keep Tanner McKee upright. McKee, when he's got a clean pocket, man, he is on. But when he doesn't have a clean pocket, and some of this is on Tanner too, seems like maybe there are times where, where he could be quicker in recognizing things and diagnosing things. When he's not on, it's trouble. And the defense desperately, desperately needs to start hitting people and putting up some resistance in the first half of games against FBS competition. We don't know a whole lot right now, but we do know this. Stanford's going to get a lot more opportunities, a lot more cracks at this to turn it around. David Shaw says this is going to be a better team at the end of the year than they are right now. Well, eight games left. Stanford's at one and three. The next game coming up this Saturday. Another Saturday night kickoff, 8 p.m.? Oh, boy. Well, we know that trend will stop uh, when Stanford heads to, to Notre Dame next week. I think it's 4.30 p.m. Pacific, if I remember right. I, I, I have to look at that. But still, another 8 p.m. kickoff. Oregon State Beavers, who got absolutely thumped in the second half at Utah. No shame in that. The Utes will do that these days. But, but man, Oregon State, a solid, solid team. Quarterback, maybe a bit of an issue. They've got a lot of turnovers from that position the last couple of weeks. But that Beaver defense, tough and tricky to solve. So Stanford gets eight more cracks at this to get in the win column against Pac-12 and FBS competition. We'll see what happens starting on Saturday. As always, I welcome your thoughts on Stanford football and Stanford athletics on the show as well. Thank you so much to those of you who have given your ratings and reviewings, your reviews of the, of, of the show. I certainly appreciate that in a big-time way. Thank you for, for doing so. Follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity. The last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. At Troy Clarity is the way to go there. And we'll talk to you likely on Thursday of this week. Is Stanford playing at home? Wow, I'd kind of forgotten what that felt like. <laughs> it was, it's not like Stanford was playing seven straight games on the road as it did bridging the 2020 and 2021 seasons. But it'll be good to be back within the confines of the eucalyptus curtain to see what the Cardinal can do against those Oregon State Beavers. And we'll talk more about that and preview that game for you on Thursday is when we will likely come back at you on the next episode of the TreeCast. You heard from David Shaw, you heard from Lavani Damuni, and you heard from Casey Filkins. Biggest thanks, as always, goes out to you for joining us on the show and being a part of the program. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay sane. Talk to you next time on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.